you are listening to the Booth Podcast, Saskatchewan's home for unfiltered sports analysis, hot takes, and wild, wild conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. This one's a little different. Uh, We are back again with the CFL show, or should I say I am back. This is the first, I believe, solo episode in the Booth history. Dave is out today, so it's just me, Reese Shonsby, as always, bringing you CFL content. To start things off, usually we kind of jump in right to recapping the games from the past week. But we have some breaking news here in the CFL. Big news out of Montreal. Uh, Head coach and defensive coordinator have both been fired as head coach Kahari Jones and defensive coordinator Baron Miles. It's been a rocky past few games, I guess you can say, stretching back to last season as well for the Alouettes. One and three this season so far, two and seven in their last nine games. Both those wins coming against the Riders two weeks ago in on a short week for the Riders with dealing with major injuries. And the other win coming against Winnipeg last season while they were resting starters. They had already locked up first place in the West and they weren't playing for anything at that point. So this is the natural progression that a lot of of teams go through in football you go two and seven in your past nine and somebody's got to be held accountable and that's usually the head coach when your head coach is Kahari Jones you're going to ruffle a lot of feathers in the CFL when you do that Kahari a household name in the CFL guy who's been around for years and years um I, I see the reason I see the reason to let Kari go. Baron Miles, I, I feel like Baron still hasn't got his shot quite yet here um, around the CFL for a long time as a player, kind of just dipping his toes in as a coach, I believe. I don't think he's been around as a coach for too long. But it'll be interesting to see what this Montreal team looks like going forward, what Kahari's career going forward looks like I believe this was his first shot at the head coach uh, in Montreal been around in coordinator positions for a while um, Noel Thorpe has been hired by the Alouettes to replace Baron Miles as defensive coordinator Noel the guy who's been around the league for a long time he's been in Montreal before um, and general manager Danny Machocha will step in as the head coach of the Alouettes, again, currently the GM of the team and a guy who's got lots of experience coaching back in what's 08 with Edmonton, around that time, a few years around 08, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a good move. You often see teams start to win when they make head coaching changes. Um, this one feels different, though. It feels like you got rid of a a head coach that a lot of people liked. And I don't know how the locker room will 
will respond to that. We'll have to see. So yes, uh, moving on from that, big breaking news in the CFL. We move on to recapping the week that was week four in the CFL, Canada Day weekend. And we started off with a game that looked to be over, and then Ottawa played a frisky game, as they have been doing all season long so far. Uh, BC does take the win, though, 34-31 after that bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter by Ottawa. This was kind of the first game that we saw Nathan Rourke be challenged. Um, in the first few games that BC has played, they were blew out Edmonton and then they blew out Toronto after their bye in week two. So Rourke was kind of flying along. Nobody, nobody was pushing him. But then he gets into Ottawa and throws his first interception of the game and responded with another interception. And it was looking... A little bleak at that point for Nathan Rourke, but does come back, does get the win. Everything kind of settles down for Rourke. He still gets 359 yards passing, a 74% completion percentage, and two touchdowns to negate those two interceptions. On the other side of the ball in the quarterback room, it was Jeremiah Masoli again. This was Masoli's weakest game. Since joining Ottawa in the offseason, 51% passing, 182 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. The score didn't reflect that from Masoli, though. 31 points still. Your offense had a good game. You had William Powell coming in finally for Ottawa um, in his return to Ottawa after a few years in Saskatchewan uh, with 55 yards and a touchdown. Masoli also racking up a touchdown on the ground. And Caleb Evans also getting into the end zone on the ground. So the rushing attack was there for Ottawa. As well as the two interceptions that I mentioned earlier from Rourke. Uh, defense was playing good. This team looked to struggle through the first half and then into the third quarter. Near late third quarter, they really turned it on. Um, racking up 14 in the third quarter and 11 points in the fourth quarter to come back in this one, but just not enough. Uh, BC gets out of there with the win, 34-31. Moving on to the second game of the week. And, well, this one was just... This was the, the two worst teams in the league, I think. Everybody can kind of see that. It was Edmonton. It was Hamilton. And, oh, poor Hamilton Tiger Cats fans. I feel I feel for you right now. This, is, this has got to be tough to watch. Edmonton starting a rookie quarterback, Trey Ford, Canadian. Starting a Canadian on a candidate. All the hypes around Edmonton. Hamilton, that should be your chance to kind of take advantage and, and and go in there not worrying about being the spotlight or being under too much pressure. You're playing a team that's also winless. 
and Dane Evans struggled. Dane Evans, you could see him at the end of this game in tears on the sidelines, having being consoled by Nick Arbuckle, who was playing the backup role in Edmonton for this game. Uh, Evans with a 64% completion percentage, 97 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a fumble that ultimately cost Hamilton the game uh, up in the fourth quarter. Edmonton, the play call was weird. It was it was a option or a sweep to the outside by by Evans. Gets hit immediately by, I, I'm not sure who it was, one of Edmonton's defensive backs, and ball pops out, scooped up, taken into the end zone by Jalen Collins. Puts Edmonton on top. Hamilton can't complete the comeback after that. Edmonton takes this one 29-25, putting up a 14-point fourth quarter to take it to the Ticats. Trey Ford was fun to watch at quarterback for the Elks. Uh, Passing game, not, not amazing. 57%. 159 yards, touchdown, and interception. Interception, I would argue, not really his fault. A veteran receiver uh, like Darrell Walker, you got to fight back to the ball. Um, But, again, the passing game hasn't always been the strength of Trey Ford. It's been what he can do with his legs, and he had 61 yards on the ground to add on to his 159 yards through the air. So, Trey Ford, a Canadian Getting his first start on Canada Day. Getting his first win on Canada Day. Amazing to see. Um, We said it last week, this Elks team, they're so close. They're so close to getting that first win of the season. And it just took playing the other worst team in the league. So we'll see what they can do when they're challenged this week against Calgary. But they did have a good game against Calgary two weeks ago. So it'll be interesting as well. That does bring us to the best part of the podcast in my mind every week when we get to talk a Saskatchewan Rough Riders win, especially a 41-20 to 20 win. Oh, that feels good. Just kind of a non-stress second half to watch. Um, not used to that as a Riders fan and a Vikings fan. It's, it's usually really close games that I can't just sit back in my seat and relax. I got to be on the edge of that seat. Um, this was a Riders team that struggled in the first half in this game. Down 13-11 to 11 at halftime to come out and have a 21 to nothing third quarter. That makes all the difference. That just takes over a game. That takes all the wind out of the sails that Montreal had. It was... It was so good to watch. So good to watch, especially that third quarter. Um, Fajardo, you could definitely definitely see struggled in the first half, um, wearing that brace on his left knee. Well, it's a 50-50 shot, so I'll say left knee. Um, definitely, the strength of his game is his is his mobility, and that was not there this game. You could see him struggle when he was forced out of the pocket, which usually isn't what happens when you have Cody Fajardo under center. Um, 
still does come out and have a 62%, 224, two touchdown, no pick game. What can you say? That's that's a, the yards, not amazing, but the completion percentage and touchdowns, that's great. That's great to see. And how can you have that many yards when you got a 100-yard rusher in Jamal Morrow racking up 103 on the ground and a touchdown? Frankie Hickson also racking up 57 yards. Just He was cranking off the long runs, uh, averaging 8.1 a carry in this one. And yes, I mentioned it before, Fajardo's mobility, not quite there this game. And it shows usually Fajardo's good for at least 50 yards on the ground. This game, he had one carry for one yard. So that one carry for one yard was a sneak that got him a touchdown. So that's nice to see. Um, But that, yeah, no runs in the open field for Fajardo in this one. Uh, in, In the reception game, Schaefer Baker... Have a game, young man. I said he's totally old, older than me, but he definitely doesn't play football like he's older than me. Maybe that says something more about me than Schaefer Baker. But nonetheless, he does have uh, eight or seven catch, ninety yard game, and a touchdown. Tevin Jones, newcomer. Uh, if you're watching the game, cranked off a. Long run in the fourth quarter, I believe. Um, Picton gets another touchdown through the air. Um, I think another telling factor here was the guys coming up in place of the starters we have. This year with the Riders, it's all been Duke Williams, Shaq Evans, Kyran Moore. That has been... The three names that you've heard talked about. Schaefer Baker, you can maybe throw his name in the conversation with those guys after his good rookie year. But those were the three guys. They were all three free agents. Nobody thought we were going to get all three guys back, and we did. Well, Kyran starts this season on the six-game injured list. Shaq Evans last week versus Montreal in the first game of the home-and-home series. Broken ankle. Out six to eight weeks. Duke Williams comes into this one. He's the number one guy. He's Cody's guy. Ends up going to the locker room with... At first they were saying hand injury. Then it looked like maybe more of a lower body injury. He did come back to finish the game. But didn't end up with a zero reception game. Um... This was the game of the Young Bucks and the no-names. You had Shaver Baker, Tevin Jones, Justin McInnes, Mitch Picton, Jacob Prawl. They were the guys that Cody was thrown to in this game. Duke, Duke didn't have a bad game. We shouldn't be saying that. Cody made sure of saying that in his post-game interview with TSN. Was, I don't think Duke... Got a catch out there, but go back and watch. He made some key blocks, and he definitely did on, on I believe, on Schaefer Baker's touchdown and and other huge plays. Um, just because you don't get a catch in the game doesn't mean you didn't impact the game. If we really, if it was all about catching the ball, then there wouldn't be offensive linemen. Those are guys that impact the game. 
another highlight of this game, kicking Brett Lowther. 57 yards. Best kicker in the league. Best kicker in the league. Change my mind. Change my mind. I would take Brett Lowther over anyone in this league right now. I guess we probably shouldn't just talk riders. We should probably talk Alouettes a little bit. There's not a lot of positive to talk about Alouettes. That's the problem. I don't want to be an asshole rider fan who's just going to put Montreal into the dirt after we beat them 41-20, to 20, but what the hell else am I going to do on a Wednesday night? Uh, Trevor Harris struggled in his second start of the season. 18-26, 69%. That's pretty good, but 198 yards and two interceptions. One of which being a pick six by Nick Marshall. Forgot to mention that from the rider side. See him still talking riders. Big pick six for Marshall to add to his total as a rider. Five of his 14 picks, I believe, as riders as a rider have all been touchdowns. So that's nice to see. Joshua Antwi with seven carries. 35 yards coming into this game as the leading rusher in the CFL. Did take a big hit fumble that was recovered by the Riders. I don't think he returned to the game after that one. Uh, had to come get helped off by trainers. and Tough to see. You'll have to see a, a Canadian running back having a good season so far. Sucks that it's in the face of their starting running back being injured, but it is, it's nice to see Canadians have success. It is. Uh, Jake Winicky was the leading receiver for the Alouettes with four catches, 67 yards. Eugene Lewis held to a minimal game of 52 yards on three catches, no touchdowns. Uh, Gino Lewis coming in as the uh, number one receiver in the league through the first few games here. Uh, Chandler Worthy, another kickoff return touchdown. What can you, I, I don't know if the Riders definitely need to take a look at that that kickoff cover unit. Two weeks with with kickoff returns, return for touchdowns. That's tough. It says a lot about Chandler Worthy. Of course, he's a great returner. Um, a big reason that following this game, uh, return specialist Mary Alford was traded from the Montreal Alouette to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, that's, I don't know if if O'Day uh, ran into Danny Machocha in the elevator and said, hey, we're looking for a return guy, and I see Worthy's having a pretty good season. I don't know if you're going to be really using Mario Alford. I really want to think that's how it went down, so we'll say that's how it went down. Uh, that does kind of solve a problem with the Riders, as you have right now Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson kind of splitting return reps, and you don't really want to have your rotational running backs doing that. So it'll be exciting to see if uh, Alfred gets into this Riders roster in coming weeks. But that does wrap up the 41-20 win in Saskatchewan.
take a night off and head into Monday. Just some scheduling conflicts at BMO Field having the Argos and the Bombers play on Monday night versus Saturday or Sunday. But we get a 4th of July game. Happy Independence Day to all those down south of the border. This one was heartbreaking for Argos fans. Um, a big, big first half for the Bombers going up 17-3 to in the first half. Argos make a little bit of a comeback here. Bring it back. Looks like they're going to tie it up. Touchdown Argos with, I think, 20 seconds on the clock. Now it's 23-22. All we got to do, hit the extra point. Tie ball game. Well, Toronto, you stole one in week two from Montreal on a missed Cote 20-yard field goal for Montreal. What goes around comes around because it's a mixed ex missed extra point for Boris Beatty. Winnipeg takes the win 23-20. to 20. That's one of the toughest ways to lose a game that I've seen. And I feel it. As a Riders fan, I'm... I don't cheer as hard as I do for a Riders win, but I do cheer pretty hard for Bombers' losses whenever I get the chance. But let's go through some of the stats from the game on the winning side. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Zach Caleros in the passing game, 80% passing, 215 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Brady Oliveira, leading rusher for the Bombers, not a great game. Seven carries, 28 yards. And leading receiver for the Bombers was Dalton Schoen with five catches for 73 yards. Flipping to the Toronto side of this all, Bethel Thompson, uh, leading passer, of course, for the Argonauts. 73% completion percentage, 314 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions for Macbeth. Leading rusher in his revenge game against his former team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, have a game, Andrew Harris, 22 carries and 111 yards. Leading receiver for the Argonauts, Brandon Banks, Banks was all around this game for the good and for the bad with one of the craziest and most controversial catches we've seen this season so far. I'll put it out there, my opinion here. Not opinion. I'm going to say it's a fact. That's that's an that's a touchdown. Go find the clip, watch it for yourself, but what happens is I'm not sure who the Bombers defensive back was, but goes up Looks like a sure interception. As he hits the ground, ball comes out. For a play to be ruled a catch, catch or interception, the ball carrier has to complete the catch through contact with the ground. He did not do this. That would naturally lead to an incomplete pass. 
although the ball never hit the ground. As it comes out, bounces off his chest into the stomach of Brandon Banks, falls down. Banks squeezes it between his knees, pops it up to his hands, fumbles around with it a bit, then finally completes the catch in the end zone. It's a touchdown. It's one of the craziest plays I think we'll see this year for sure, but I will say for sure it's a touchdown. Calling the field was a touchdown, so there was no way you could overturn that either. And you know what? If you're saying, if you're a Bombers fan saying that's a catch, like, oh, I see. You're saying that's an interception, like I see all of you saying on Twitter, come on. It's not an interception. It's just not. you got to complete the process of the catch or interception through contact with the ground. Sorry. Uh, Banks then going on to have a bit of a drop, a bit of a ball, kind of popped out on a hit, bounced up, ends up a big interception for the Bombers. And that starts a little bit of heat on the Argos sideline. Uh, one of the offensive linemen, I can't remember who it was, but getting into it, into the face of Banks, things seem to have calmed down. Banks then decides he's going to throw a water bottle at the offensive lineman. Ends up with coaches getting involved. Uh, general manager Pinball Clemens comes down from the booth to try and settle things down. Eventually things do. But unfortunately, if you can't make an extra point, I guess you're not winning this game. Because the Bombers do come away with a 23-20 to victory. And that wraps up week four in the CFL. Hope you all had a happy Canada Day. Hope you stayed safe out there. Watched some fireworks. Ate some hot dogs and burgers. But we can move on now to week five in the CFL. And let's take a look at our power rankings and see how things are shaking out. Before I do get into this, I will let everyone know the power rankings have not changed from last week we had it right that feels good we know we got it right because nothing changed it this week start out at nine with the hamilton tiger cats that's tough that's tough that's about the worst way you can lose a game a fumble that leads to the game winning touchdown what can you say that sucks that sucks you haven't given us really anything to speak positively about so far this season Hamilton so I'm sorry you're the worst team in the league right now in the basement coming in at eight is the Edmonton Elks they got their first win good for them they still don't look like the best team in the world right now though took them a lot to beat the basement dweller Hamilton Tiger Cats so right now you're gonna stay at eight Keep winning some games, you're gonna go higher and higher. At seven, we have the Toronto Argonauts. Oh, we went over it. That's I'm sorry, I said before Edmonton, that's a or Hamilton, that's about the worst way you can lose a game. No, Toronto, that's the worst way you can lose a game. You were 
you had you had overtime and you blew it you blew it so you're staying at seven you're going down such a fall from grace for the argos team that started so high in our power rankings this season after a good season last year at six staying at six the montreal alouettes that's a tough one to a good saskatchewan team though this this team's in a tough spot firing your head coach firing your defensive coordinator um it's going to take a lot for them to climb these power rankings but we'll see what they can do Coming in at 5 this week, it is the Ottawa Red Blacks. A good game against BC. Almost got the comeback done, but not quite in the cards. Coming up against a red-hot Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I say red-hot. We're a one-week red-hot team, but I'm going to call us a one-week, or I'm going to call us a red-hot team. But yes, 5 is the Ottawa Red Blacks. 4 is the aforementioned Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A big win this week versus a struggling Montreal team going up against this frisky Ottawa Red Blocks team that is currently winless but looks right there. But they've they've had a tough schedule so far and it's not getting easier with Saskatchewan on it. Coming in at three is the BC Lions, a team that's also red hot this is the most red hot team in the league that's for sure the bc lions a team that nobody really expected to be at the top of these power rankings but they sure as shit are and they deserve to be at two on the bye this week it is the calgary stampeders they're on the bye they were at two last week they're gonna stay at two this week and at one still at one it is the winnipeg blue bombers barely snuck out of Toronto with a win, but they did, so they'll stay at one. Coming up against BC this week, though, that is going to be a tough one. Recapping that one more time, at 9, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, at 8, the Edmonton Elks, at 7, the Toronto Argonauts, at 6, the Montreal Alouettes, at 5, the Ottawa Red Blacks, at 4, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 3, BC Lions, 2, Calgary Stampeders, and at number 1, and still, the Winnipeg Blue Mombers. Now, it is time to preview some games here for week five in the CFL. A shorter week, only three games on the schedule this week versus the normal four. We have Hamilton, Toronto, and Montreal all on bye weeks this week. So, we do start it off with the Thursday Nighter. A battle of Alberta game, this time in Edmonton. It is the Calgary Stampeders versus the Edmonton Elks. This was a good one a few weeks ago, ending in a seven-point win for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the final score in that one was 30-23, to so a good effort by the Elks. That was kind of the, the best effort we saw from the Elks versus their win that came a week later. Um, but this one, the one in Calgary was against Calgary, and the win was versus Hamilton. So definitely a better opponent in Calgary and almost got the win there. So I wouldn't say this is a done deal. Calgary's going to win this game because you really never know what's going to happen in the Battle of Alberta, no matter what sport it's in. 
Uh, this time we are talking CFL football. I do have Dave's picks here, even though he is away this week. Dave is taking the Calgary Stampeders, and I'm going to join him on that bandwagon. I do think Calgary's just got a little more in the tank than Edmonton does, especially coming off the bye week last week. They're really at an advantage there. We're both taking Calgary in this one. Next up, we have the Ottawa Red Blacks and Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday night football. Well, you know we're both picking Saskatchewan, so we don't have to build up any suspense there. We are both taking Saskatchewan. This is an interesting one, though. This is probably the most challenge that Saskatchewan's been this season. Um, Ottawa, a very frisky team, a team that's been in all their games, whether that's against Winnipeg or BC, two red-hot teams in the West Division. But Saskatchewan's, Saskatchewan just got their their biggest win of the season. Their biggest felt like their biggest win in a long time. I do think Saskatchewan's gonna pull this one out. It's in Saskatchewan that always makes a difference. We're both going Saskatchewan. And then the biggest game of the week for sure, we have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the BC Lions battle for top spot. In the West Division. Now, you might have to share that with Calgary, but this is definitely a battle of powerhouses. The two-time defending Great Cup champions versus the Nathan Rourke current MVP, MOP favorite, the BC Lions. This is a tough one. This is a tough one for me for sure. Um... We'll say Dave is taking Winnipeg in this one. I can definitely see the reasoning behind that. Definitely a, a team that's a team that knows how to win. BC has been winning games, but they are still learning how to win. They're a team that didn't win games last year. They were, I believe, right around a 500 team, so they weren't a team that was used to winning. Winnipeg definitely is. That always puts you at a big advantage. Game is in BC. So that all that does make a difference too. It's home games are a big thing in this league. I'm gonna go BC in this one. I think, looking at common opponents, you saw BC take it to Toronto two weeks ago with the 44 to three victory, and Winnipeg needed a a missed PAT to come out with the win last week. So for that reason, I will take BC in this one. And that, quick and dirty. Short week five in this league. Closing thoughts in this one. Um, of course, we always kind of come at this from a rider's perspective. Big win for this team. Adding a weapon, Mario Alford, um, to the... He might get in the receiving core if we really do have some injuries here. I don't know if it'll be this week. Uh, it is really nice to see the riders get a big... 41 to 20 win it's nice to have a week where we feel good going into another game on friday a little bit of a shorter week but hey we're still we're still watching cfl football every week and every week we're watching cfl football it's a good week you can follow us on instagram and twitter at the booth ec go check out our merch store Links to that are in the bios of our social medias. As always, 
I've been Rich. There ain't no Dave this week, but this is the Booth Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Booth Podcast.